you're talking about like arts and like creative, mm-hmm. creative pursuits. And then mm-hmm. you're talking about on the other side, business, there is a way to like mold the two. To blend them. But I mm-hmm. think when it comes from a competition standpoint, no good. Mm-hmm. Like it needs to come from that collaborative standpoint because right. it's just about the feeling of the experience. Like the feeling of an experience in business that's collaborative feels good. The feeling of a business experience out of competition, right? at least in my experience, it doesn't feel that good. It feels very cold. Clinical. Like you mentioned before. Clinical. And that's why I never, yeah. Just sort of like winner take all, like I, there has to be a loser. Whereas co- collaboration, there's no loser. Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. All right, Diane, we are on episode 19. Yes. Hey, Al. (laughs) Hey, Diane. (laughs) Of course, Diane and I have been talking and we decided to combine these two, comparison and competition. Ah, they just go hand in hand. I think as we were talking, we kind of came out with competitions created by comparison. I love that. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Because what are you competing for if you're not comparing yourself? Well, whether it's two teams playing each other, the comparison is who has the most points. Right. Yeah. I have the most points. I win. Winner and loser. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Winner, (laughs) loser. (laughs) That's right. Got to be a winner loser. There's no eighth place trophy. Oh, God. Everyone gets a trophy. Okay. When did that everybody wins thing come out? <laughs> that was the millennial generation that was raised like that. Like a participation trophy. I'm like, no. There's only one first place trophy. I mean, I have, I have mixed feelings about competition, though, because like I feel like, for, at least for me, it doesn't bring out the best in me. I think it brings out the best in business because they have to compete and they have to innovate and they have to... Yeah. You know, keep moving forward and, you know. Progress. Progress. But can't there be progress without competition? I believe in collaboration. Yes. I think collaboration is closely linked to creativity as well. So do you think they're competing kind of ideologies, competition and collaboration? Or could they work together or? I guess they could work together. I think they're different. I think they're different philosophies. The collaboration feels more like warm-hearted, whereas competition feels stiff and tense and, and cold, cold and cutthroat and yeah. yeah. Like the Winner, loser. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So I was telling you about my mom's message to me. And so I step back and I'm like, all right, how do I want to respond to this fear-based message that she sent me some questions? <laughs> I simply wrote back, I'm like, Yes, the death of the patriarchal society that's been embedded for centuries is is innovative. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So she replied, I agree. I'm like, I'm glad we're on the same page. (laughs) (laughs) But that 
society is was based in competition and scarcity and lack and violence mm-hmm. and having to take from others in order to have enough for ourselves. And I don't think that that is sustainable going forward. And to me, collaborative feels more expansive. Even through the process of writing my first memoir, there was such a collaborative feel to it that I hadn't really expected with writing. Because writing can be a very solitary activity and there's definitely a solitary component. However, there's also in a lot of writing and a lot of communication, a very collaborative aspect to it that I think there's the potential to access. Yeah, doesn't collaboration feel like... Collaboration feels more... Not creative, but just in the sense like uh, infinite where competition feels finite. Limited, yes. Yeah, like if you're competing for something, then there's only enough to go around. There's only enough, you know, if I take more, then you get less. Right. But collaboration is more of like you're creating. Infinite possibility, yes. Yeah, like out of thin air, you know, like... Well, like what we're doing with this podcast episode is having a conversation. Neither the one of us really knows where it's going to go. True. We have a framework, but... Yeah, we try to stay on some sort of... (laughs) We we both have notes that we show up to each episode with, but who the hell knows? Yes, yeah, we know the title. The title directs... (laughs) Comparison competition. Let's get back to that. Well, and we talked about... So I've shared with you my experiences in the past year, really throughout the past year... I've had so many people. So it's just over a year ago, I experienced a physical assault that was a very traumatic event in my life. Mm -hmm. And then sharing my story of that experience, without question, countless people have shared, me sharing my story opens the door for other people to share their life experiences. And people immediately go to diminishing their own grief and trauma. And every time I'm like, there's no, like, they're not giving out grief and trauma trophies for like the one who navigates the most, like, or the heaviest. There's no comparison. Like we all experience grief and trauma. The details differ, but there's no competition. There's no scorecard being kept. And again, there's no trophy because if there were trophies, I'd want mine, <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Um, but everybody, like, it doesn't matter who I'm talking to. Everyone immediately diminishes their own life experiences in comparison to something that I've, I mean, I don't recommend a broken jaw, but you know, it happened to me. Broken jaw. Yeah. Yeah. Out of, out of the clear blue sky, just within minutes, like not even minutes, seconds, my entire life was changed. Yeah. And I wasn't looking for that experience, but like, what was I going to do? Argue about it? Like it happened. But other people then will talk about, will share death of a parent or a loved one or any other traumatic life experience, and they're going, oh, but it's nothing compared to what you've been through. I'm like, there is no comparison. Yeah, that's a strange way to think about it. Right, like, we're not competing here. No! There's, there's no, no competition, story. yeah. It's not like, my life sucks worse than yours, and yours, right. you know, like... Yeah. yeah. And then it happens on the reverse end, right, where people yes. do the opposite, you know? Like, I'll say, you know... Yeah. Oh, well, I'm struggling with the kids. Oh, dude, you don't even understand. I got four at home and they're like even worse. And oh, I got totally. my mother-in-law in town. I'm like, all right, I'm just sharing with you here. This isn't I'm just venting. I just, Your I'm life is worse than you. mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. And we've talked about this too, that people don't want to be fixed. They just want to be seen. Yeah, be seen and heard, right? And witnessed. And there's no magic wand. And there's such tremendous healing power in simply witnessing one another. Yeah. And as soon as you get into that comparison, mm-hmm. you're not witnessing anymore. Now you it's about you. Right. You've made it all about you. I'm like, wait, like, wait, wait a second. Yeah. A second. 
Yeah, it's so strange. And it, Could you just let me share my story? Yeah. And I, I've never thought of comparison when it comes to, like you were saying, grief and trauma. Like, I, I mean, comparison goes with everything. I always thought like money, status, intelligence, uh-huh. you know, physical appearance. Like those are like the things you think about with comparison. Like mm-hmm. I compare myself to the guy that has the nicest car and the, yeah. you know, best physique and the most money and the, and the status and the, you know. And so we were talking about your ex as we do once, <laughs> once every episode. Well, pick one. I mean, actually one from more than 20 years ago, it came up in a recent conversation. I'm like, what are you still doing here? <laughs> I've got a bunch of them, um, but my ex-husband, yes, I only have one of those. Like he was very into status. Uh, Highly externally, metrically focused on the job title, the money in the bank, the type of car he drove. It was all of the external measures of success that he tied his worthiness to. Mm. And he and I very much differed in that perspective. Like, I don't feel incomplete as a person because I don't have human children. I have book children and other creative expressions that I'm birthing into the world. But he very much felt incomplete without having a child. Mm. Yeah, I don't agree. Like, that was one of our biggest arguments toward the end. And I would dread every birthday. So it's only since, like, 2016 that I've actually enjoyed celebrating my birthday. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm that I live that way. Um, but every year, my birthday would approach, and he would look at me and go, well, you're another year older. I'm like, and? So are you. Wow, that's horrible. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> those eggs, those get, eggs are getting old in there. <laughs> you and I feel like quicksand. Like, I don't feel like we're on solid ground with each other. You want to throw a kid in the mix? No, thank yeah, you. Yeah, talk about pressure, too. Like, man, enjoy your freaking birthday. You got to worry about having kids and getting older. and <laughs> Having that argument again. Yeah, so 2016 was liberating because I was like, oh, <gasps> I'm free to celebrate my birthday. However the heck I choose. <laughs> Now we're all on lockdown and quarantine, March of 2021, recording this. Yes, yes. I I was looking forward to this conversation just to talk to another human being. And without it being like a consoling session for how the market's doing. So For the economic breakdown that's currently happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That we're in kind of the middle of. Yeah. So competition is created by comparison. So it's like... Yes. So you talked about, you share the story that we just talked about earlier about having worked in companies where there's literally a physical ranking of people's production. And, and to this day, I mean, I'll be, even on the independent channel that I'm in, I can press a, bu- a few buttons on my computer. Mm-hmm. I can see how every other financial advisor in the entire company is doing mm-hmm. and where I rank right. compared to them. Right. And the managers, like, which I don't technically have a manager, but the guy that runs the branch office that you have to kind of clear through, mm-hmm. he's the first one to be like, hey, have you seen yourself on the, I'm like, no, I don't Where look at it. On the scoreboard. Like, I don't want to know. I don't care. It does me no good. Right. It gets me into that, that tense, that tense, stressful kind of like, I got to be better than someone else. And I got to, right. it totally takes you out of that whole realm of like, I'm good where I am. Being present. Yeah. Being present or not being good enough or not the striving. Like I don't want to get back into that whole striving competition mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And so back in the day before they had computers, they used to put it like on a chalkboard, like on a dry erase board that literally just list your names every morning, Uh which broker had the best production for the month. And Mm -hmm. you'd know to the T like where you stood compared to everybody else. 
And they would use that as fuel to like get you because everybody wanted to be better than everybody else. And I'm like, right. And I, it's funny. I felt some of that, but the guys that were hyper competitive, I was like, whoa, like it was so off the charts. Mm-hmm. I remember I, have, I had a friends, have a friends, still have this friends who would like complain during these meetings. And because <laughs> there was a lot of brokers there that were a lot, a lot older than us, we were new. Right. And he would just be complaining to the management saying, there's no way I'm ever going to catch up to these older brokers. They've been here for like 10 years ahead of me. They've built these right. giant books of business. Like I can't compete. Why do you keep putting my name on this damn chart? Right. I, it's just that, and I'm doing twice as much work as they're doing. There's just no way of catching up. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at them and I've been like, who gives a, you really care about this board? Like you're making a good living. Like, right. You're fine. Like, so there, but it was this weird, that competition brought out, I didn't think like a good, a good emotional state for this guy. Like he was very kind of like diminished and sort of like. Defeated. Yeah. Kind of defeated. Definitely felt defeated. Like, and that there was no way of kind of getting out from under this. Like a hopeless situation. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like a fun way to live. Like seriously. Right. But that's kind of like the way the sales, I I mean, overall sales industries. Pick a sales industry. That's how they're set up. Yeah. Yep. Real estate is the same way. So imagine you had a sales industry with collaboration as like their. Right. Creativity and infinite potential. Yeah. Working together and maybe like everybody shares the commission or I don't know, like where it's not just people just freaking out for themselves. Right. You know, zero sum game. I got to get as much as I can. So, you know. Yeah. So. That's what I kind of like talked about. Like when it came to comparison, I, I told you about this study that I read. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just to lay it out. If you're making $50,000 a year, uh-huh. but everybody else in your neighborhood is making 25, right. you're happier than a clam, right? Yeah. Sad to say. If you're making a hundred grand a year, mm-hmm. but everybody else in your neighborhood is making 125, mm-hmm. not as happy as the guy making 50. Yeah. So the 50 guy, so you can make $50,000 a year, be happy just because everybody around you is making less mm-hmm. or you can make double that, make a hundred, but now everybody's right. making a little bit more unhappy. And you feel totally worthless. Like, yeah, what the like heck? you have a better standard of living with, yeah, yeah, but it's always about, you're always comparing yourself yeah. to other people and what a miserable way that must be to live. How do you stack up? Right. Right. Yeah. Where are you on the leaderboard? I, I love all my, I always brings me back to that movie back to school with Rodney. Yes, Dangerfield. Talk about that. Yeah. So in the beginning <laughs> of the movie, he has a big and tall store in the commercial. It's the, like the punchline is like, if you want to feel thin, you hang out with fat people. And they just show him in a crowd of like obese people. Yeah. And that's literally like the commercial that he has on TV for his store. It was hilarious. So I always think of that. Like, yeah, if you want to compare yourself, feel good about yourself. Just, you know, Surround yourself with people that aren't doing as well as you in any given category. Right. If you want to feel attractive, surround yourself with ugly people. (laughs) Who's to say what that looks like? A lot of people do that. A lot of people date people that are way under whatever you'd call, you know, their level or whatever. You find like, you know, some gorgeous girl with some mediocre looking, mediocre, unattractive. I married one. Look how well that turned out. <laughs> was the reasoning because like, oh my God, he's not going anywhere. I was like, ah, I guess you're good enough. Yeah. <laughs> but my own feelings of unworthiness that I didn't feel I was worthy of someone more attractive. But I, I've always heard from women 
and this is a generalization, but I've always heard from women that they want to be more attractive than the guy that they're with. Mm-hmm. Or at least equal. It's like for guys, it's the opposite. Like guys like think it's like this trophy mm-hmm. to have somebody that's like better looking. That's a than whole them. conversation. Yeah. Um. But it's like the comparison thing. So it's like totally guys think it's like a, a trophy wife. I mean, there's a freaking term for it. Trophy wife. Mm-hmm. Look at my trophy. It's better than your trophy. And it's better than your trophy. Yeah. And I feel like women come from a different standpoint with that. They want to feel good about themselves. So <laughs> is that not true? Oh my God. Do you want to hear about the guy who I just deleted from my phone? <laughs> yeah. He was not tall enough. I'm like, I have height standards. I'm very tall. I compromised with my ex-husband. I'm not doing that again. How tall was he? Um, slightly taller than me. Probably about six foot. That's not enough? No. Come on. Oh, I thought you were going to say like five, six or something. Oh, this guy was like five, nine. And I'm like, you're not tall enough. Like you're not even as tall as I am. No, I'm done. But six feet's not tall enough either. You want like six, six, two and above kind of thing. Like six, three, six, three. (laughs) (laughs) You'd bring out the tape measure. Like on these first dates, like (laughs) get up against the wall. (laughs) I have gone on dates with men that show up and I'm like, dude, how old was the profile picture that you used? Mm -hmm. Like, cause you don't look like what your profile picture showed. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. We could do a whole episode on dating dating apps. apps. Oh my God. (laughs) We could do a whole episode on that. I have vivid memories. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's horrendous is a mild word for it. But I actually, this guy connected with me through Instagram, which is like the new Uh people are trying to use Instagram. Like it's a dating people. It is. Instagram is not a dating website. I had no idea it could even be used for that. Yeah. I guess you just message like you would anybody else. Right. It's just, I get like five to 10 a week. Wow. And I finally just got so fed up with it. I was like, fine, I'll start playing. So I started messaging men back. This one guy wrote back, he's like, you're rude. <laughs> like, I was uh, clarifying <laughs> in an accurate statement that you made. Guys have no boundaries. No boundaries. Men are so stupid. In gen- Again, generally. Just told me that a Lyft driver asked you for oh your... Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Lyft driver, really? You're going to pull into somebody's yes! residence and then creepily ask for their number? Oh, I felt so uncomfortable the entire ride in this guy's car. I could not wait to get out of that car. I was like, and most, and to be fair, 99.9% of my experience with Lyft and Uber are are great. People are courteous and professional. Like there's more good people in the world than there are. Sure. (laughs) However, it makes for a good story that the damn Lyft, this was a few months ago. And I I was wearing a dress and heels. Like, and he looked at me before I got in the car and I was like, I don't even like the way you're looking at me. Yeah. Creepy. Wow. Guys don't get that. Yeah. Some men are. Girls can look at me creepily. It's fine. <laughs> I, I don't even know what that means, honestly. Like, it, it only works like guys looking at, at women. women. Yeah. I don't think women can really look at a guy creepily. I don't I think so. Laugh. Yeah. It doesn't work that it way. It does not yeah. work that way. That's a one way <laughs> But we also talked about, to bring this back to some other related posts with busyness, quote unquote busyness. Mm. Since when, when did we start tying our worthiness to looking at other people's highlight reels? Yeah. Like, if you look at social media, everybody's living their best life. Really? Yeah. Really? Hashtag living the best life ever. Yeah. We, yeah, we talked about it last post, too, that I, I look at my own highlight reel. If I just go through my, my picture <laughs> scroll and I'm like, wow, I'm always smiling. That's what you do in pictures, right? I'm on vacation. Yeah. 
I think we were talking about also on that same point. I think we could tie it in. Like receiving is difficult. Like receiving. Oh my god! Yes, how di- how challenging just receiving a compliment sometimes. A compliment. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Like just stopping and saying thank you, and not justifying it away. Like oh, you know. Because I think we all feel like we have to earn something. It's a, it goes back to that earning that we're taught that in our culture. You can't just have something. Like you have to work really hard for it. So like saying that I'm so busy is kind of like justifying. saying, yeah. It's like look how hard I'm working. I'm working so hard. I'm so busy, and that makes me more valuable. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. I'm so productive. Yeah, produ- and, that, and that gives you value. So that gives you value. So the more difficult your life is, the more people will look up to you, right? Mm. What are we looking for, followers? I know. Or connection. Huh? Right. What are we looking for? Like, I do have very specific dating criteria. Like, I know what I want. And I know what I don't want. I don't care how unusual it might be to find that in the world. Mm. I'm not bending my standards. Yeah. It's real. The difficulty in like, like you say, getting a compliment. Like I, I've had trouble with that. You know, if somebody like tells me like, oh man, you know, that was a good gig. You played a really you know good set on the drums. Like initially I would be like, ah, oh, you know, when I messed this up and I messed that, mm-hmm. I don't think I really played. And then I started to realize I'm like, now you're like taking away, like what they're giving you a gift and you're like, and you're Take the gift back. shoving it out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like re-gifting it to someone. <laughs> <don't know. laughs> God. Yeah, and then I started to realize. Just say thank you, will you? Like, just stop talking. You. So just many stop people talking. stop talking. Like, oh, yeah, real estate agents can't shut the hell up. Like, I'll be reading listings. I look at a lot of listings for sale. So, and I'm like, just, just stop talking. Like, just stop. They can't. They're in the agent remarks, and they're using all the words. And I'm like, just stop. Like, less is more. Sometimes. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. yeah. And they're comparing, again, like a house for sale. And they're comparing how much money the sellers spent on renovations. I'm like, what are you doing with the comparison? I don't care how many dollars you spent. It's irrelevant to the market value of the house. Stop talking about it. Mm. But they're always comparing. Look how much we spent. Look at how much we invested in this. It's irrelevant. Yeah. I don't want to hear irrelevant. it. It's irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. It has nothing to do with anything. And I've had clients find it very off-putting. I find it off-putting. Yeah. Like stop comparing. Who are you comparing to? That's the good. That, that, that's a great question to ask. Like, what are you comparing? Yeah. What are you comparing this What's to? What's your standard? Yeah. I, so I, I told you about a, a guy I knew in college who came from a wealthy family and mm. he would always be like on edge about anybody ever saying that he had nice things. He'd you know, always like, Oh no, no, no. I didn't get that from my parents. I've been working since I was 14. I don't get I've anything. That. Yeah, never give me a dime. I've worked for everything I ever had. Like that whole mentality, whether or not it's true or not, why do we think we need to project that to the world? Justify. Yeah, or justify. You can't be a good person unless you worked really, really hard for something or you can't... No pain, no gain. We've talked about that one too. It's like, wait a minute. Sometimes life can be just easy and flow and... Yeah. Like you don't deserve anything unless you work hard for it. Why not? Why I I can't deserve just being... Why not? Mm -hmm. Why not? Like, why do I need to... Tell everybody how busy I am. Show everybody how hard I'm working. Do all of this stuff in order to get something. Look how full my calendar is. Well, good for you. Like, I don't want to work seven days a week, 24-7. That does not... But I think this is like the root of the unhappiness, right? Because totally. Like if you're kind of, yeah. Because then you, you never give yourself a break. You're always back to like, you know, 
It's like it's slapping the whip on yourself. Let's go. More, more, if you're not more. productive, you're not worth anything. Yep. yep. Yeah. And so then that it's a slippery slope and self-employment is, whoo, it's very easy to get caught up in it. And then again, the comparison thing. So the, you're comparing yourself and it's the weird thing. I think we've talked about this before. So like first job out of college, mm-hmm. worked at a group home, mm-hmm. made $20,000 a year. Right. I lived, I ate, oh, I didn't go hungry. Right. I had an apartment, yeah. like I had a car. Yeah. Maybe I had a little debt, but like I was fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and now, you know, I make a lot more than that. And am I any more happy than I was back then? Not, not particularly. I mean, I mean, maybe I've grown, but it's not because of the money. It's not because of. No. And so whatever like milestone you hit, there's just other people to compare it to above and beyond that. So, yeah. you know, you win. Yeah. I've known some people with an incredible amount of wealth who were jerks. Uh, and I've also known people with an incredible amount of wealth who are some of the most generous and compassionate and kind people I've ever met. Yes. And so there's, it's not tied to where the, like who you are as a person or how you're choosing to show up in the world. Right. There's no correlation. Our culture wants us to believe there is, but there really truly isn't. And I've known people who don't have much financial wealth we're also idiots. Yeah. And then the others that I love it's so there's no correlation between who you are as person and my money for success or any external measure that you have. I'm so interested in like the whole self-worth thing though, you know, like this comparison thing just lowers the self-worth mm-hmm. again, depending on who you like surround yourself with. It's like that whole small fish in a big pond, big fish in a small pond. You, the, from a comparison standpoint, you want to be the big fish in a small pond because it makes you feel better about yourself and you're inflated. And if you're a small fish in a big pond, now you're comparing yourself to everybody who's bigger than you, you know? And it's, yeah. What is the saying that you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with? Yes. Like, mm, yeah. you might want to be careful who you spend time with, you know? And I'm very intentional about who I spend time with. Um, and that has, but see, but I see the flip side. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. You want to be intentional about that. Well, cause I want to learn and grow. I don't want to surround myself with people who are, who know less than I do. I want to surround myself with right. people who are growth oriented and innovative and creative, you know? And it's like with writing, like no one, my first, any of my memoirs, I'm on number three now writing wise, but nobody else has my unique perspective. No one else could have written those books. I'm the only one. Yeah. And owning that has taken me a very long time to get comfortable with. But it's true. No one else has the exact unique perspective that you do. So at the end of the day, there's not really anyone to compare ourselves to. Well, I think it's easier to say that in a creative pursuit, like writing, or you could even say it in music. Mm-hmm. Because there's no like number figure or there's no like, I mean, I guess there, there is, I mean, you could be like a best-selling author as opposed to somebody that doesn't sell any books. I had a client tell me this was years and years ago. <laughs> I think I forget the exact words they used, but it was something to, this was a client I worked with as a buyer's agent. And they were like, you're the most unrealtor, like realtor I've ever met. <laughs> and I think I like that about you. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I took it as a compliment because I've always been unconventional and I've always kind of done things my own way even in preferring working with buyers as opposed to sellers. Like I told someone contacted me recently to check, they wanted to discuss listing their house for sale. Mm-hmm. And it felt so good to just say, you know what? I'm not accepting new clients at this time. <laughs> yeah. And turning I away business. Referred yeah. them to an agent friend of mine who I trust to take good care of them. Cause yeah. I literally had this visceral sense of, I don't want to do this. I don't even want to have a conversation with these people. 
I just don't want to do it. Well, I think that's what's interesting about like the arts and business. Like they're so different in certain ways. Yeah. Like when, when you talk about writing and I always like lump in like writing with like music and with yes. like art and like that kind of thing where it's a creative expression and mm-hmm. it's not judged based on. There's no way to get it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, there's just different kinds, right? You know, mm-hmm. there's music you like, there's music I like, there's writing I like, there's writing you like. They're, yeah. they're two different things. Some people like, I mean, some people draw a lot of followers. So there's like giant rock bands that tons of people like, and there's mm. best-selling authors that tons of people like, mm-hmm. but it doesn't dim- really diminish your writing. It's just, yeah. again, it's just an exposure type thing. Yeah. And I follow a lot of writers on Instagram. That's where I get my mm-hmm. book recommendations from. I'm like, oh, I like your writing. So if you like this person's writing, like, and connect with other writers even on Instagram. So, But it has a warmer, more collaborative feeling to it than like business, doesn't it? At least in my, yeah. in my experience, it has like, I always put those two in separate camps and maybe I shouldn't. Um, maybe this start, I think there's overlap. I'm starting to, well, just like you said, there's overlap in the sense that somebody told you, <laughs> you know, you're unlike any other realtor I've ever seen or, yeah. or ever met. Um, I have had so much fun with clients showing houses over the years. Cause I joke, my style was never like show the house. I'm like, I trust that you can discern what's the kitchen, what's the bedroom. Like, I'm not going to show you the house. I'm, what do I call it? I help people. I don't show houses. If I'm working with buyer clients, I help them observationally evaluate the home for sale. So you don't use the word pop? No. (laughs) I always hated that word. Oh, God. Oh, look at that paint. It really makes this room pop. I'm like, stop Stop. saying that. (laughs) Don't say that anymore. (laughs) I like looking at houses. Fun. I was in Louisiana. I'm driving around. I'm like, oh, there's cute houses out here. Yeah. Like I notice houses, even if it's just in Asheville. I'm like, yeah, I notice houses wherever I go and it's fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Uh, Yeah. Comparison and competition, man. Just not to beat a dead horse here. So like when you're talking about like arts and like creative, Mm -hmm. creative pursuits, and then mm-hmm. you're talking about on the other side, business, there is a way to like mold the two to blend them. But I think mm-hmm. when it comes from a competition standpoint, no good. Mm-hmm. Like it needs to come from that collaborative standpoint because right. it's just about the feeling of the experience. Like the feeling of an experience in business that's collaborative feels good. The feeling of a business experience out of competition, right? at least in my experience, it doesn't feel that good. It feels very cold. Clinical. Like you mentioned before. Clinical. And that's why I've never, yeah. Just sort of like winner take all, like I, there has to be a loser. Whereas a collaboration, there's no loser. Do you know how many people touch a real estate transaction from contract to close? I'm sure a lot. You cannot extract collaboration from the process of buying mm. Like, I cannot tell you the challenging experience I had over the years. Without question, it was another agent or someone else, a loan off, someone involved in the yeah. contract to close transaction. And my, all of my recent closings were beautiful from offer through contract to closing because all of us were highly, highly, highly collaborative. Mm. And it's unfortunate that that's unusual to have that experience. Yeah, but I think that's partially what you're bringing to the transaction or what you're bringing to the actual relationship. Like the energy you're bringing into it. Like you're coming from a different place. That's what I'm attracting? Right. Absolutely, yeah. Well, they're feeding off of you. Well, I told one agent, like I was presenting an offer verbally, standing on my driveway, presenting this verbal offer. And I'm like, by the way, I'm very direct. You will never have to guess where you stand with me. He's like, oh, we'll get along just fine. 
And it was, <laughs> it was gorgeous. And like everyone yeah. that touched that transaction through closing was just beautiful. And it makes it feel effortless, right? It, it's so much more effortless than... And it's not that there's not hiccups and things that come up that need to be navigated through, because that's not the yeah. case either. Like, I have pulled buyers from lenders for bad lender behavior. I'm like, this is unacceptable. So it's not that there's never a roadblock or a detour or something unexpected that comes up. But when the underlying vibe is one of collaboration, it's just so much more pleasant. Yeah, for everybody involved. For all involved, for all yeah. parties. Win, win, mm-hmm. win. Like, there's no win-lose. You're trying to sell a house. I've got people trying to buy a house. Like, lenders making loans. That's what they do. Yeah. How about we all just work together? And you, But you weren't always in that environment. So your environment has changed over the years. Like, yes. your real estate experience wasn't always this way. Oh, God, no. For a long time, I wasn't. And so, yeah, my financial advising experience wasn't always the way it is now either. I think it comes with age. I mean, you have to go through... I had a client. I wanted to fire him the week before. This has been probably 15 years ago. Yeah. At the time, I was not the broker in charge. I am now, which I appreciate the power the thought brings with it. But I, I went to my then broker in charge and I'm like, I can't deal. He's yelling at me. Like it was emotionally abusive. I'm like, I don't, I don't care about the commission. Like everything was done and he was just being dark. And my broker at the time insisted that I follow through to closing. <laughs> Thankfully he didn't have the client did not attend the closing meeting. Wow. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's bad. It's not a good relationship when your broker, real estate broker wants to fire you the week before closing. Yeah. So I did a lot of those types of relationships years and years ago. It's only last, like really since I've been divorced mm-hmm. that I've stepped more and more. So I divorced my ex-husband. And then two years after that, I divorced my former broker. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Divorce another relationship. Yeah. And that really was pivotal and helpful in me stepping more, more and more into my club. I'm a natural collaborator. Yeah. I just show up and talk. Like, you know, I, show, I, I talk to people like it's a game, almost a game with me. Like, let's see what people will tell me today. Well, it's funny. That's like kind of what we were talking about and what we tell our 20 year old self, you know, like yeah. if we just tell your 20 year old self that, listen, just think about relationships and connecting with people. Right. You can do that and you can collaborate with people. Then you're golden. You're good. You're good. That's all you got to do. Just concentrate on that. Like make sure like you're getting meaningful connections. That's, that's it. I never thought of it that way. Like I was, it was always this grid. It was like, sort of like, no, you do this, you follow this script and then you say it this way. Oh, you do don't that. get me started on scripts. Oh, I am the target. A hundred oh, times over. So many telemarketers. I'm like, I'm listening to the voice moment. I'm like, I can hear you reading from the script. I can freaking hear it in your voice. Yeah. Like I know what you're doing. You're trying to convince me and sell. Don't try to sell. Don't come at me and try to sell me. Yeah. Or don't, don't approach me that way and expect me to purchase anything. Cause yeah. Work out well. But I think we were just coming from, at least I was at the time, it was coming from a place of competition, desperation, just sort of comparing yourself to how everybody else is doing. Yeah. And just being young and just trying to figure out, like navigate where, how do you fit in with in the, in the sales environment? This is what they're telling me. So they're older. I believe what oh. they're, they're telling me. I have to make a hundred calls to get one sale. I'm like, the law of averages. That's right. Yeah. Screw that. <laughs> why can't I just focus on the people? Like, why can't I just take care of the people and let everything else take care of it? I just feel so sorry for the kids that go through this because like, they do. I mean, it continues. Mm-hmm. There's insurance companies out there just like hiring 22 year olds and totally. 99% of them will be there for two months. And yeah. 
contact everybody. I, I contacted my old soccer coach to buy insurance. Wow. This is a desk like, so 20, 23 years old, worked for a large insurance, insurance company, made tons of phone calls. They'd make you call your entire, they called it, what was the word? Your natural market. So your natural market is like, well, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't like those words together. <laughs> I'm a little particular about which words we combine and I don't like, yeah, they tried to make it nice and like, you know, subtle, like you're, you know, we're just going to contact your natural market. So natural market was friends, family, mm-hmm. and then like tr- as many people out as you can go from there. Right. And normally they say it's, you know, like 200 people. So it's like your uncle and then your uncle's friend or whatever. And then, you know, you're so, I mean, this got down to my soccer coach from when I was a kid. Mm. I literally got my soccer coach on the phone because I was desperate to make a sale and I was competing with other people yep. and I was comparing myself to the rich guys in the office. I'm like, I got to get to sale. At the top of the leaderboard. Yeah. And I put my old soccer coach in such an uncomfortable position. Uh, you know, I hadn't talked to him since I was a kid, you know, and now I'm like, Hey, I, um, hey, by, the way. Company. by the way, I sell insurance. <laughs> I felt like that guy from Groundhog's day that annoys Bill Murray, you know, uh, buying insurance. I don't know if you remember that. It's been a while. The movie references. I haven't seen that yeah. in a long time, but <laughs> yeah. How uncomfortable, like for everyone involved. So uncomfortable. Like I'll, I'll never live it down. I, I even had a friend's dad call me out on it years later. Mm. Like I went to my, my friend's bachelor party and his dad was there. Uh-huh. He's like, you remember that time? Like five years ago, you called me and tried to sell me insurance. I'm like, Oh God. I'm like, yes, please don't remind me. I'm really embarrassed by that. I apologize. Yes. But yeah, you go through these experiences and all of that came out of comparison and competition. Totally. So yeah. It's not a sustainable way to operate in life, in my opinion, at least for those of us who are empathic and sensitive and yeah. creative. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people are more so than not. I think people are like sensitive and, you know, maybe not like you're, you're more openly that way, but I think a lot of people feel that way, but have a harder shell <laughs> and that they close that part of themselves off. Like they, let you know, me tell you what getting assaulted in a parking lot on a Saturday afternoon does for your life. Yeah. Ooh. It does crack open yourself. Like, like freaking with a bazooka, right? Holy hell. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's just, and even with how I talk about my divorce, like I'm not, I don't feel any shame about it. Yeah. Like I had a guy question. He's like, why do you have that you're divorced in your Instagram profile? <laughs> I'm like, cause I'm joyfully divorced and I'm proud of that. Like, I would go and do it again to get my freedom. Hell yeah. Yeah. I've just never, I've never felt shame in talking about it. And then trauma came to visit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we have a post coming up. Well, eventually it's called crucibles. Mm, mm-hmm. Like these are like kind of crucibles of your life. I mean, yeah. no, you wouldn't want to go through them again, but you would do it. Not that you, obviously the trauma, you, you don't choose to do that. That was something out of your control, but the ones that you choose, like these are all like, things that shaped you. It's like two things come together and create something new. Yes. Whether, whether you wanted it or not. Talk about creativity. Look at that. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like yeah. kind of like a chemistry. I always think of like somebody grinding like a powder and like, yeah, I was really chemistry. great at chemistry. I took AP chemistry in high school. I liked chemistry. Did you? Mm-hmm. I, I was terrible. Really? Yeah. I wasn't a science or math person. Oh, not math. Math I ran from. So yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like these big things that happen in your life, although the pivotal moments, the critical, yeah. Now it changed yeah. the trajectory. Like you're cracked wide oh, open. Completely. Nothing else would have cracked you that wide open. Hell no. Yeah. And I didn't realize how much I was still holding myself back. 
mm-hmm. which was an interesting awareness. Um, yeah, so it's been quite a year. But yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Come on, twenty twenty. <laughs> what is it? There's a meme going around right now. It says we all need to apologize to twenty nineteen for how we spoke about it. <laughs> <laughs> And it feels like a universal statement. It's like, I don't think anybody's walking around saying like, I'm having a great 2020. It's amazing. Looking around the world. like, What the hell is happening? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to keep showing up and find something. Yeah. I'm like, I'm starting to understand why people hoard and build like, you know, shelters and bunkers. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Like doomsday scenarios. Yeah. Just watch the news for a day. You'll start contemplating like, digging a hole in your backyard and like just ending it all now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, well that is (laughs) comparison and competition. Mm -hmm. I didn't. Yeah. It's so strange how those two like interrelate. And it's funny how, yeah, it's like one's created from another, you know, like you start comparing inextricably tied together. Yeah, it's that old cliche of like keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing, you know? Ah, the New York way of life. The New York, <laughs> well, Charlotte too, yeah. Charlotte is, oh my God, so superficial. Yeah. It's right? really, we were actually discussing that, the difference in vibes between like the mountains of North Carolina and where we both live in Charlotte. It's like, mm-hmm. there's a very different feel. Totally different feel. And like, I noticed here in Charlotte, the people that I've met, and I've seen like friends move I mean, I've been here 16 years. I have no friends that have moved four or five times, just kept upgrading. Oh, yeah. You know, from like apartment to two bedroom to you know, single family house to like five bedrooms. Oh, five bedrooms isn't enough for a family of four. And so. then they're going to crack the luxury home market and keep oh, yeah. up. And it's just like, what the heck, people? Next like, thing you know, they're in like a 5,000 square foot house. I'm like, you don't, who in their right mind needs 5,000 Who needs square that feet? much space? Yeah. Oh, and there's like two people living in the house. It's like, just so you don't see each other. Like I'm looking at it. Like I don't understand. Yeah. And I think of the upkeep and the maintenance and it's like your whole life is now about making money to freaking fund this house. Mm-hmm. It just never made sense. But a lot of it came from there. They saw their friends doing it. Yes. You know, so like, how for for you to jump from thinking your 3,200 square foot house wasn't big enough for your family of right. four that you need 5,000 square feet. Those, those friends watched other friends. They, it's funny. They all congregated to similar neighborhoods. Totally. That have big houses. Yes. So it's interesting to see it, the keeping up with the Joneses thing. I, I try to like bring myself, I try to do the opposite, like in the sense that I want to despise that way of thinking. Yeah. Like when I feel myself getting that way, I'm like, no, no, I don't, I, I want to fight so hard against mm-hmm. that because it's not valuable to me. Yeah. It's dangerous. It's a dangerous way of looking at things, I think. And it's like, you're willing to give up your freedom to mm-hmm. tether yourself and prison yourself. Yeah. I mean, like paying the real estate tax. I joke, I have a $4,000 garbage can in my yard. <laughs> city of charlotte have my property taxes yeah um, yeah but just more and more when is it enough it's, it's it's not enough for people that are on that treadmill it, it'll never will be and that's the thing it's like you're chasing you're chasing a feeling right instead of just going for the feeling you're doing things you're buying material things you're uh-huh. basically like committing your life to chasing this feeling mm-hmm. 
but it never comes. Like, it never, I've, I've seen it too many times over, like where people just keep the upgrading and they keep doing that. And it just, it's a never ending treadmill. More, more, more. And in this area, they love to tear things down and put up shiny new things. And it's like, I drive around Charlotte. I'm like, how many luxury apartments do we really need? And like what the pricing people have been paying in rents is just astronomical. I'm like, oh, but they're supply and demand. But it's funny how fast you get used to like a place like like so when I first moved into like a townhouse mm-hmm. like years ago, like I thought it was super nice. Mm-hmm. It was nicer than anything else I've ever, ever been in. And then as the years go on, you get used to that and you're like, well, you know, then you go to a few other people's houses and they have like these big houses. And I'm like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. You know, right. Actually, my house isn't really that nice anymore. Mm-hmm. And you just start that again, the comparison thing like that just becomes the normal. And now you just want to upgrade it. Right. And I'm like, wait, no, that doesn't make any sense. Because when I first moved in the townhouse, I thought it was fantastic. Right. It's great. Right. So it's more of a mental thing. This isn't. Oh, it's everything is mental. Everything, everything is mental. comes back to our minds and how we self torture. And yeah, right. And how we like evaluate and compare and sort of like, <sighs> yeah, you're just always kind of creating like this hierarchy of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, that's our post for <laughs> comparison <laughs> and competition. This one was a little less scripted than, well, not that we script any of these, but we wanted to just roll with this one. Next week, we have nothing to lose. Mm. We're combining two again. And the danger of success. Mm -hmm. Nothing to lose, the danger of success. That's episode 20. I believe we've done 19 episodes now. It's crazy. It's insane. So crazy. And we're living through an apocalypse (laughs) while we do it. (laughs) We're both really good examples of introverts who still like to show up and have conversation with people. Yeah, I look forward to this every week. And I mean, more so this week than probably any Oh week. my God. <laughs> Just because I've been in my own head for five days straight with limited interaction. I've been alone with words. I'm like, can somebody have a conversation with me? <sighs> yeah, I need to get something out here. Yeah. <laughs> so follow us at faconfessions.com. And like and subscribe and comments and share and review. One day I'll get them all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so next week will be a good one. Nothing to lose and the danger of success. Those are two topics I've thought about a lot. And I definitely think they mesh pretty well. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, Diane. Thanks, Al. Hopefully, next time we talk, there'll be less of this panic and uh, maybe we'll less chaos in the world around us. Hopefully, be on the tail end of this virus. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. 2020 has been a year. It's like a bad sci fi movie. You can't make this stuff up. I told somebody recently, like, they asked me, you don't write fiction. I'm like, you can't make truth is stranger than reality. It is. Like, you just can't make this stuff up. No. Even I can. <laughs> Your imagination can't go that. No. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have imagined what the heck is happening on the world stage. <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and we have The Apprentice host basically leading the charge to save us from the killer virus. Not even. You're fired. (laughs) You're fired. Okay. (laughs) On that note. Oh, God. (laughs) Thanks, Diane. Thanks, Al. We'll talk to you guys next week. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next week.